Hi, this is Artic from Karagangren, and you're listening to Interview Under Fire. All right, everyone, Sunny back here with another new episode of Interview Under Fire. Ardek, thank you so much for joining our podcast today on IUF. A big time of the year for you and Saragor over at Karagangren with the release of your sixth studio album, Frankenstein Stratomontanus, which came out this past summer on Season of Mist Records. First off, you know, congratulations on all, on all of the well-deserved recognition it's been getting so far. But before we get to all that, I'm going to ask a very important question to start off, okay? And I'm going to put you on the spot because it's an important question. I feel like it's been overlooked the past six months. Um, how are you? <laughs> how has everything been, you know, as life in Netherlands before, you know, um, our lives are pretty much changed since back in March, you know? How are you doing? Well, first of all, thanks a lot for having me on the show. It's an honor. And... Uh... Yeah, it's a nice question. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, what can I say? I'm okay. Um, it, it was just recently that I was thinking like this. This thing is taking very long. And uh, in, in the beginning of all this, my my thoughts were most with the people directly affected. But now that this this whole thing is dragging, you know, there's um, yeah, we cannot play shows. Um, it sucks. <laughs> no, yeah. So, Normally, my life consists of a combination of, of, you know, being a lot alone, working alone. And then there is this time to go out and meet fans and play. And there is this freedom. And that part is now taken away suddenly and it, it's taking its toll. I mean, you, you notice it, it is the day, daily life is different. Also, my girlfriend lives in, in another country. So we're trying to, you know, see each other after seven months. And uh, that's kind of, you know, it's challenging times. Uh, for everyone so um, but yeah it's but you know I'm fortunate to have been working on uh, other projects and stuff so that part is you know that's that's really cool but um, yeah we have to see what will happen soon yeah I know staying busy is definitely a challenging thing you know considering we're already six months into this I mean I remember we were one month into it and two months into it and I don't know yeah. I was going to be doing podcasts six months later. Usually we do these interviews in person. If you guys came to Dallas, you know, at yeah. the, but, you know, but we're making the best of the situation. And, and I see that you're doing that. And being away yeah. from the stage a lot as of late, how are you keeping up your vocals, your instrumentation these days? Is that affecting your musicianship? Has anything changed for you routine-wise lately? Well, I, I, I work on music every single day. That's so, good. Uh, yeah, and, and so it can either be a little bit too much because, you know, you're always in your studio. Um, I, I've been playing some other instruments. I bought a cello, for example. I'm playing more guitar, so in that sense, it's good. Um, I'm a violinist, so I, I can relate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So and, and But, of course, the whole life experience and preparing for that is kind of, you know, we're doing some things, you know, a rehearsal here or there, but... At the same time, it's hard to get that kind of motivation when there is not really, you know, anything. When you have a tour coming up, it's like, okay, we have 30 shows and we're going to get ready and we're going to do this and that. But now it's like, okay, staring into the horizon. And uh, yeah. so, yeah, it, it, it's different. Yes. Yeah. Does this pandemic, now that you're home, everything that you just mentioned so far, does it open up new things for you personally and artistically that you may have not noticed before about yourself? 
well, I'm, I'm always interested in spirituality, psychology, and that has even deepened. So I'm reading a lot. And then, you know, I, I, I've never been someone who is like attached to a lot of things like materialism and stuff. Um, the, the funny thing is some people make that itself almost a materialistic view. Like, yeah, I'm detached from everything. I'm super spiritual. <laughs> There's people in both camps. But for me, it's like that has deepened because what this teaches me and I think a lot of people is that, you know, things can change overnight and, and you cannot predict it. That doesn't mean that we should all just sit still and do nothing, but it sort of puts you puts you in, on the spot and like, okay, um, this is something that can happen. And especially, for example, yeah, you, me, people in the music business, um, what I said earlier, like I have a re my relationship, she lives abroad and then suddenly you cannot visit each other. That's kind of like, whoa, you know, like, yeah, so, so the block, this block is put and you cannot go out and play music, something you couldn't have predicted a couple of months ago. So it makes you think and it makes you value other things and uh, smaller things and sounds cliche, but it is true. You know, I go on walks and stuff and then you enjoy yeah. that and you try to get all the mental noise out because you can. And that's what I see also with other people. They lose themselves in going into the internet, being angry, reading 10,000 theories about what's happening. And that's an escape. And I think it's a <laughs> denial. And you have to find your path and leave all that behind, I think, and come back to the core. It sounds man, a bit um, abstract, but yeah. Uh, you're, you're, man, you couldn't have hit the nail on the head any harder than that because there's just so much information being thrown at us left and right, especially here in the States. And, and, from what I've seen, people will believe anything you tell them. And yeah. I try to, I try, we have, we have a, we have like a, a, a patch of like woods, like right across the street from where I live. And I try to, of course it's hot in Texas. Of course it'll get colder once September and October hits, but I'll try to go on walks. I'm telling you, all right, that's as peaceful as I can take it. <laughs> yes. And that's it. And then you see nature, you see a bird, I don't know. And that takes you back to maybe life or something. And from that yeah. you, at least I feel better and not with all the mental noise and arguments and all the bullshit. <laughs> Speaking of mental noise, you know, thing, and things that you value, I want to talk about Karakangren, you know, nearly 20 years. And you guys have yeah. been touring extensively, played an Inferno Metal Festival, Rocks at Extreme, Grass Pop, Summer Breeze. So many festivals, touring with so many talented individuals like yourselves. I want to ask you now, now that you're home. What was your favorite part about touring? Because now you're kind of taking like an unseen step back. Does it make you have a growing appreciation of the touring life? Because we're talking culture, fans, even the food. There's just so many things to take away from that from that lifestyle. What was your favorite part about it? This kind of being in between worlds almost. Like, you know, you would, as a band, travel when other people would sleep. You would be in one place a couple of hours and then going to the next place. I mean, that is... It's always been some kind of um, movie. It's almost like playing in a movie or being, yeah, like in between worlds. And that's so special. And meeting so many people and this drive, this vibe of, of energy, like, okay, we've got to pack it up. We're going to leave. And then and one day you're in, in, for example, in Texas, and then you're driving up to New York. And then, you know, it's crazy in a sense. But that, that, I always loved that part. And then coming back from that, you have so much creativity. And now it's, for example, much harder to, to get that fresh view because you see your room, your coffee mark. It's all the same every day. So it's harder to get that yeah. 
So I appreciate it a lot, this way, this getting out of it. I think that's why people value holiday, for example. I've never been into holidays a lot. But this, you know, to be able to bring your music to another country and meet people and the energy, yeah, that is what you, what I miss, yeah, definitely. Another thing that uh, makes part of who you guys are is the live experience, you know, we about uh, how much you guys are touring extensively. Considering yeah. the fact that you guys do wear makeup on stage and have horror and supernatural themes on stage, does it feel like you're taking on a different role when you're playing live? Does it help with the presentation of who Karak Angren is? Yeah, definitely. And it's something we have developed naturally. Sometimes people ask, like, how do you do that? But the whole movement on stage, like Saragor and what me, we have never really talked about it, but it just happened by playing shows. You know, you do a little twitch here and then the arm goes there. And that sort of was like a natural thing. And um, and that's really cool because I can see the development of that. And it came out of somewhere. And uh, and that's really fun. So, yeah, but it, it's becoming a character in, in a way. Uh, yeah. Because there are like uh, many people, they expect something from you. So there's this, this, yeah, like this realization, this focus. Okay, like now snap into it. And you walk on the stage and the face paint helps because... And then you just become this whatever creature or something, and then you go off and come down again. <laughs> I feel like, so the way I see it, from listening to the music as long as I have throughout my entire life, there's there's always the live presence where you see a band, they perform. But with Karakangren, there's there's a lot of bands who, you know, who, who are in that same element that you guys do, like portray themselves as a certain character on stage. But I feel like you guys portrayed the music also in a visual presentation. And I really, really appreciate that. Coming from someone who loves movies, I think there's a whole theatrical element to who Kara Gangren is, right? Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think that starts already with the composition because, you know, I'm sitting here. This is where I make music. And when I play a part and I have to start moving and uh, if I don't, if it doesn't move me in a way. It sucks, so then I throw it away. So, you know, all these little riffs and details, and there is a groove and, uh, and an excitement to them. That's why they end up in the songs. And then, when you play them, it comes out again. I, I don't know if that makes sense, but yeah, there's it does. <laughs> dynamic into it, you know. I mean, you sometimes I write a part. I'm like, that's a nice riff. That's cool. But we, I, I need that impact, you know, and. Uh, so that's a, it's a search. For example, if you take the opening song of the last album, you know, there's this build up and it's epicness, and then and then the blast become. You need that. And when I feel that here, and I'm gonna and I'm jumping off my chair and you know, destroying some things here, then I know it's probably. Right. But if I would say here like, yeah, that's cool. Then it's not cool. That's not enough. You know, that we deserve more. I think from music. So it's always this search. Yeah. And so this is a popular topic of discussion that's been on my show over the last summer. I mean, I mean, last six months, rather. And you've seen this. We just talked about the live experience, but I want to ask you, uh, you know, live streaming. A lot of bands have been doing this. You know, I, feel, uh, I think Code Orange was one of the first bands to actually do that, that empty, empty venue. They performed and then they presented to the fans. We had Nilo from Insomnium a couple months ago. He, he talked about their experience of doing the live streaming. So I want to ask you. Do you think the live streaming, do you think the, the, you think the quarantine induced live streaming surge we're seeing right now of all these bands 
Is that going to affect the touring musician business going forward? Do you still see bands doing this even after all this is over? This is so hard. I mean, I, it has been tearing me apart for the last month. Yeah, see, here's the thing. There's no, okay, there's no right or wrong answer to this because it's a very interesting perspective to get from every artist. There's, they have, oh yeah, I love it. Oh no, I hate it. This, it, but uh, coming from you guys and you guys, the live presentation is about who you guys are. So I want to know how important that is to you. So I have a couple of thoughts on this. Like, yeah, like first, the first thing I thought was like, it sucks. <laughs> so I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do it. it. Suck. It's, and the other thought was like, why should you do this while fans before had access to this anyway? You know, there were a lot of shows that were being streamed. Then there was a thought like, okay, it's a way to make you know something happen, so it could be right. So I'm I'm constantly torn between these things that we have some ideas to do something. Um, then again, it's it's a very big undertaking for one show because it's not like a tour and you have to prepare and all of that. So I'm look we're looking into it currently, but um, I'm going to be honest, there is not a super excitement in me to do it, and also because I'm I'm a little bit afraid to ruin the experience. Like if I I know how we know how an, a show experience is. And to put that into a laptop, I'm afraid to to say, to you know, like to yeah. to point uh, myself and other people. But then, then again, maybe we'll do it anyway. I don't know yet, but it's mixed. Yeah. But see, it's it's of course I have the liberty to mosh in my own room if I want, which is great. But it's different, you know, if I see Arde from Karakangren in front of me in person as opposed to seeing him on on the, of course, the laptop. It's it's not you can't compare that. Let me tell you something that I did last week, and I don't yeah. know if you saw this. I don't know if you saw this, um, I went to the Metallica live streaming concert. Did you hear about this? They did the nationwide thing here in the states, where every, I think every every state, all fifty states, you know, they did the airing on like drive-ins, and it was my first time ever going out during this pandemic. And I get I got there, and it was just a bunch of cars parked, and they had a they had a big screen in front, and Metallica was playing. And it just, you know, I'll take it for what I got, but the whole experience was, I, I thought to myself, it made me even more sad, <laughs> you know, because yeah. it made me miss the live streaming. It made me miss the live experience that much more because, uh, you know, we had uh, the opening band, Three Days Grace. So, uh, you know how originally, if it's a metal band, a rock band, they'll say, hey, let me see those horns, you know, the the new the new saying was, honk those horns <laughs> so everybody started honking the horns like if you just roll your window down after like a song like a metallica song or a three days grace song you just hear honk or like horns honking it just felt so weird like, but we were part of the experience it was a great success yeah. for metallica but i feel like metallica is like one of the few bands that that are able to pull it off because of you know of of, of the impact they had on the industry. So it's not like every band can just go out and do that. But anyway, like, I don't know if you knew about that, but yeah, that was my experience. And then of course, Behemoth and Imperial Triumphant did their thing this past weekend. And yeah. I don't know if, I don't know if you got around to seeing any of those. I mean, the fan interaction was interesting. Like, they liked it. Behemoth loved the experience. Imperial Triumphant loved the experience, but, but, but see, it's, but that is your opinion. Like it's I, that's completely okay to feel that way because I don't. I feel like we need live streaming. It's not the same. It's not the same. No, 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 no. So maybe we'll do it, um, but maybe yeah. not. <laughs> this, yeah. 
But I mean, there's... Be, yeah, it comes out of a necessity. That's the problem, too. And uh, But maybe I'm still wishful thinking that soon it will be all over. But yeah, it doesn't really look like it. So I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, that was just that was just crazy. But um, uh, so anyway, I'm gonna, I'm gonna move forward just a little bit and talk about your sixth album just briefly, Frankenstein as Stratomontanus. Uh, came out June 26. Were there any thoughts about album delays for this up for this record? Because of course, there's no protocol to follow for a pandemic when there's an album coming out. You know, have have you thought about? Did you guys stick to the schedule? Were any dates moved for the new album or? It was delayed one month, and that had to do with physical products not being ready because of the pandemic. There were also some thoughts like, yeah, delay it longer. Uh, a lot of bands were, you know, delaying their releases because there was nothing happening. No tour attached, you know, from the promotional perspective. It always makes sense to go out and, and promote your album. But we felt like, no, we're so excited about this album. We want to put it out, please, you know, don't put it in the freezer for half a year or something. So we just went along with it. And uh, yeah, we are very excited about it. It, it, I mean, it's sad that we cannot present the songs live right now, but we're still super excited about the release. It couldn't have gone better, I think. So, yeah. In, in that sense, I'm super happy. Yeah. When did production start for you for this album? Did everything finish before COVID started? Did you guys even know anything about COVID during the production process? Or, yeah, it was completely done, mixed, uh, recorded. Uh, we even had the listening sessions with the press uh, here in uh, three listening sessions in Europe in January and February. And so everything was basically completely done and then it started. And uh, it was even interesting because it was uh, kind of relating to the team we're talking about with experimentation. So it was a little yeah. bit weird. <laughs> yeah, and it was, and you guys produced it yourselves. Is that correct? Now, we, um, I mean, we recorded uh, a lot of things here in my studio, but also in uh, yeah. Tidal Wave Studio from Patrick Damiani who we've worked with since Lamendam, and it was mixed by Robert Carranza. It's a new guy I found via Marilyn Manson's latest records, and I really loved the mix on those albums. So I reached out to him, and he wanted to mix it. And um, yeah, so there's a lot of different angles to this record. Yeah. You know, working with Patrick, was there a sense of comfortability for you in the studio, knowing that you worked with him before? Like, okay, this is what I want. He knows what my style is. Let's do this. Yeah, definitely. He is like a member of the team in the background and uh, we recorded drums there and he was tracking guitars and bass. So it's a no brainer. Uh, and um, actually with him this year, I worked on another project. I composed music and uh, we worked together and it's really cool because we have done a lot together. And uh, yeah, awesome. You're talking about your solo project, right? No, it's another one. It's, uh, oh, okay. It's for, okay. We did something for a, uh, a German uh, Gothic band, Lamy Mortel. Okay. And, uh, I don't know how much I, you can talk about it, but yeah, that's awesome. Not much more. <laughs> but, uh, that's it. <laughs> well, between yeah. that and then having a solo project, because I know you did have a solo project, and, and with Karakangren, does it help with your writing, having a different outlet like that? Oh, a lot, yeah. I learn from every project I do. And... Um, and I need that, for example, I'm even doing background music, stock music, uh, you know, children's music, whatever. So, and you, I mean, if it, if it is horror every day, it, it, it sort of makes you brain dead. Uh, <laughs> and so I, I like to get out and, you know, do something completely outrageous or difficult, different and then come back to this. I love that. And it 
it makes me better. So yeah. In another interview, I remember you. I don't know which interview it was. You said the healthier and happier you are, the better you write. Which is, it's. It, I've interviewed so many bands. They say, "Oh no, I need to get in a diff this mindset. I need to feel this way. I need to be up at three in the morning on this drug to actually get this lyric out." But yours is simple. It's it's right to the point, and that's actually how how I you know do my interviews. Like the healthier and happier I am, you know, the better I conduct them, the better I play my music, the better I play my violin. I'm just more composed that way. Yeah, my my teenage identity is uh, still complaining about it because I remember <laughs> smoking and drinking and uh, you know this. But um, I think we've all lived that part of our lives. <laughs> like, yeah, maybe I'm just getting older. <laughs> That's probably what's happening. You know, between writing and structuring the songs and the production process on Frankensteiner, what challenges did you face this time around that you may have not faced with Dance and Laugh Amongst the Rotten or This Is No Fairy Tale? And by challenges, I mean like positive challenges, like, okay, this forced me to become a better musician, you know? Well, what is really cool is that I have been um, updating and upgrading my studio in the sense that I bought a lot of new equipment. I've been treating my room really well. So right now I am at a level for myself that, you know, I can literally see the music in front of me, which is super cool because, uh, you know, oh. I have visited some really big studios and they always have this. And I was always like, I want that. So I spent a lot of money and I built and constructed some things here. But that also revealed a lot of problems in mixes and how music is produced. So I've been going into this black hole of production for years and where I was like on Frankenstein tweaking every little sound, putting everything here and there in the sound stage and you know, losing my mind over that in a good way. So I've literally been working on that CD for two years, you know, sometimes daily, like tuning things, trying things out more on the production side. So when it was time to mix it, a lot of my stuff was already done and uh, processed and and that was really cool so i learned amazingly much uh, during that yes okay okay as you're talking about this I, this question has been rolling in the back of my head it's like when should i ask them this what's your favorite horror film poor I, <laughs> you knew that was coming <laughs> I, 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 you know what i'm gonna do after this interview i'm gonna write down a list because it's always like uh, because no but it always changes like for example uh, recently uh uh, someone, uh, actually a guy who, uh, a friend of mine, Zoran, who we have been working on a new video clip. And okay. he recommended a movie to me, Jacob's Ladder. And it was, it made a huge impact on me. It's more like a horror thriller from the 90s. And uh, it's I really, have, I really. I, I do yeah. know of this. I have not seen it. But yeah. Okay. Now that you mention it. Yeah. So I'm, I'm more of a guy like, I mean, I love Hellraiser. I love uh, Asian horror movies. And. But I'm, you know, this is like the, the the recent discovery I did. So maybe that's a valid answer. <laughs> yeah, that, that is a valid answer. And, and get that list going as soon as you can. You know, with the horror element, hauntings and supernatural themes in it, you know, I'm going to ask, you know, to what level do you like to have a theme for your records? And how important are themes to you? Is that more about helping you guys write or sound? Or is that more for the audience? Because a lot of artists, they don't really care about themes. They just do 10 songs and that's it. But I feel like you guys have a specific, there's a, there's a specific plan that you guys have to get the theme out. And if I'm correct, you had a nightmare 
before this album was in production or something about floating in a house or something like that. Is that true? Yeah, I was, I had a nightmare. I was already working on some parts, but there was no idea. We had some vague idea to do something with Frankenstein, but I felt it was too, you know, too generic. And then I had this dream. I was floating in an old house, classical ornaments, and I was suddenly pulled towards a painting of an old man. And then I woke up, I wrote it down, even made a little drawing. And then I started researching, reading Frankenstein, found out about Johan Conrad Dippel, who we made the album about. Then I googled him, and this image looked very much like the guy I saw in the dream. I'm getting goosebumps, sorry. (laughs) This is very important, because then I got this personal connection and motivation. And I had this crazy idea, maybe this guy is trying to reach out because he, he always wanted to live forever. Maybe this is his way of still making some kind of statement. I, I love these kind of things, you know, maybe quantum uh, yeah. science. And, and so, but back to your question, we need that. With Karak Angren, we need a story. We need something that pulls you in. Because else you cannot do it. You cannot spend two years of your life trying to compose an album or just a couple of songs. Because, you know, it's a big sacrifice in that sense of your time and uh, energy and i mean this is like part of our every chapter is like a part of our lives and this one i think most because it was so special to me and every detail that has gone into it so it's like making a movie and uh, yeah and then with other projects for example my solo stuff is more like experimental it's just like I sit down and I just the, the first word that comes out I record yeah. literally. It I just heard, makes, yeah. yeah, I don't mean interrupt interrupt you there, but I I heard a lot more classical elements more than uh-huh. anything for your solo yeah. project. Yeah, and uh, coming for someone, I mean I'm, I've been playing violin since gosh, ten years old, and it, I really appreciated hearing that. I love the connection, and I, I don't know I don't know if you see it, classical and metal, they just have this bond that just mesh well yeah. together. Somebody was yeah. saying. Somebody was saying, if, if Beethoven were alive these days, he'd be a metalhead. <laughs> Probably, yeah. And they are both on, both on the outskirts of music, and therefore they can be complex. And I think that's what they have in common. But um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it depends. I'm not a super Vivaldi fan or something, but Tchaikovsky and Stravinsky. That's yeah. I personally, love, I personally love Vivaldi. You know, have your, you know, we, we talked about so many things so far. You know, have your aspirations, you know, Arctic as a person or a band, have they changed or evolved since you first started playing in the industry? Do you see things differently now? Um, of course. I mean, the first time you record, you're super excited. A studio and a label, and this is like, you know, young boys' dreams come through. Now that we have all this out. The, ex- the experience is more, maybe with this whole Corona thing, it's the same, like you go more inwards, like instead of rushing through an album and getting it out there, I, pre- I appreciate the process much more. So, for example, on this album, Saragor and I work more together from the beginning, instead of sitting behind our computers at home. We just, he came in here, we did experimentations and stuff. And because I realized after six albums, like, when it's done, it's done. So you have to enjoy it. And sometimes I had that like, okay, work, 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 put it out. And the fans say, yay. And then there was this empty space of, of course, there's gigs, but there is like, okay, what, what the hell did I do this last two years? So I'm now more aware of like actually enjoying writing music and being in that moment. 
basically why I like taking the walk in the forest. It's the same kind of... Uh, exactly. Thing. If you weren't a musician, what would you be doing right now? I've been I, I've studied uh, social um, studies, so I have been a, like a social worker and therapist supporting my music before. Since uh, a couple of years, I quit that. But probably I would be doing, yeah, I would be a psychologist or something, helping people. I always ask, like asking that question because I feel like it shows a lot of character in within the musician. There's just so much more to the musician than just what's on the surface. And that's, I appreciate that. And I came from engineering. I don't know what I was going to be doing my own publication two years later. And here I am. <laughs> All right, Arctic. We are nearing the end of the interview. And this is my favorite part of the interview. What I'm going to do, I'm going to put you on the hot seat. Hot seat. What I'm going to do, I'm going to read. I'm going to see if you know your own songs. Are you up to that challenge? Which one? I'm going to, uh, your lyrics. I'm going to read your lyrics. Okay. Okay. And you're going to tell me the song. You're up for that? Okay. Okay. <laughs> you're, you're, you're not nervous or anything, right? <laughs> <laughs> no. You're just, no, you're just like, okay, let's do it. Usually I get artists like, oh no, I may not, I may not know my lyrics, but <laughs> they actually, they're actually doing pretty good. <laughs> okay. All right. So what I'll do, I'm going to read a lyric and you tell me what song it's from. Okay. 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 I promise I'll start you off easy. Okay. Yeah. You ready? Yes. Okay. Clothed in drapes, one worn by those from the grave, the head of the corpse pointing toward the rising sun. The necromancer. Yeah. See, I told you to start off easy. Okay. Now we'll get a little tougher. Of course, it may not be tough. You may know all this right off the bat. So here we go. It's hard to breathe within this thick cloak of sulfurous mist, conjuring, slaughtering soldiers. In an imprint haunting. Yeah, that's actually my favorite one off of that. That's from <laughs> Where the Corpse Sink Forever. <laughs> hey, you're doing good so far. Good job. <laughs> oh, there's four. Oh, fuck. <laughs> all right, let's move on. Now Ian's hourglass is leaking time like a bleeding that cannot be stopped. Gosh, you're right on the bat. That's good. That's from Lamendam. You know, it's interesting because uh, from for Frankenstein, a lot of fans. I'm hearing fans saying the sound in Frankenstein is very similar to Lamendam. I don't know if that was intended or not, but that's what the fans are hearing. As some songs, for example, soon for solitude, for me that was like almost uh, like a tribute to the Lamandam era. I try to to do that. So uh, yeah, it, it, I, I understand that. That's really cool to yeah. hear back. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Okay, moving on. No sleep, no peace, but fear. Forever caged in a ghostly sphere, unblessed by a violent host, possessed by a violent ghost. This is from Dance and Love amongst the possessed by. The possession process. Yeah, that is that is no. three three times thunder strikes. Oh yeah, the last one. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, you know, that's okay. That shows how big your catalog is and how impressive it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. In the age of electricity and oil, my tugboat plows through waveless. of doom. Wow, you are okay. That's pretty good. You already know right off. Before I even finish reading, you already know the song. <laughs> that is off. Death came through a phantom ship. For all my listeners out there, it came out 2010. 10 years old. All right. He chops up the corpse, tosses his body parts at the plastic bags, drags them to the garden outside to be buried in an unmarked grave on this night. Um, it's from This Is No Fairy Tale. Yep. Uh, um... 
Is it the witch perished in flames? No, it's um, before that. It's 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 a little later in the album. Later, I thought before the devil, something with the devil. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, that, that, that's close enough. Killed and served by the devil. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Every you know, as I'm reading this lyrics, I'm just thinking like, just as like a parody, like reading it to like a like a kid. All right, storybook time. Go to sleep. We're gonna read a. <laughs> Just reading, these out loud, just, just reading those out loud, it's, I just love reading it. It just gives so much depth and atmosphere within the lyrics. It's like, son, uh, life is hard. This is a story for you. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. All right, this is the last one. I'm, I'm throwing it back here, okay? Okay. Over the years, dark tales have appeared of a shade in a brown brocade dress. It was the ghost of a brown lady still seeking a What's that? Ghost of Raina Mall. Yep, that's from the EP. Yes, <laughs> and that was the written, that was the next line. Good job, Ardek. You know your songs. <laughs> Thanks. That was the most original uh, thing I uh, did in an interview. I think so. Great idea. Yeah. Oh yeah, I'm glad you got that. Yeah, it was, I was I was wondering like which songs should I pick because there's just so much. Of course, like if we had forever, well, I would pick so many more songs. But um, Ardek, man, this is been a pleasure like we've covered everything pretty much from top to bottom do you have like any last shout outs any plugs anything new you're you're working on that you want my fans to know or your fans to know well thanks a lot for the interview and uh yeah stay tuned for live shows hopefully and we've been working on a video so really excited about that and uh, hopefully release it soon so uh, yeah, be, look hey. out for that one Hey, we already saw Behemoth. Why not Karakangren? I mean, it, I mean, the way that you guys present yourself along the stage, like, can you imagine? Right. Like, just like it's gonna, it's almost like a revolution. Like, like starting this, these live streams, and then with you guys, and then Imperial Triumphant, and then Behemoth, and then so many other, it, like, pretty much having like a theatrical element and putting on a movie. Yeah. Pretty much. My, why put it on Netflix? <laughs> just yeah, tonight. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everyone. This is Ardek from Karakangren. Their sixth studio album, Frankenstein and Stratomontanus, came out June 26th on Season Season of Mist Records. Uh, please pick up this album. Purchase the album. You know, um, everyone is listening. They need your support now more than ever. I think it's that much more important. Just purchase all the merch you can from this band. And Karakangren will be on, on the road as soon as you know when all this is over. Um, and you can listen to this podcast on Apple, Spotify, iTunes, you know, all your major podcast streams. Artic, thank you so much. Please be safe out there. And uh, we'll do this again sometime in the future. All right, man? Yeah, thanks a lot. Stay safe as well. And uh, talk soon. Hey guys, thanks for listening to Interview Under Fire podcast. If you guys liked what you heard, please subscribe and share our channel. And please leave a five-star review as that helps us tremendously. And also, if you guys have any questions or comments, you can find us at Interview Under Fire at Facebook or at Instagram. 
Or you can write us directly at schwag at interviewunderfire.com. That's S-C-H-W-A-G at interviewunderfire.com. Or Rezablade, that's R-E-Z-A-B-L-A-D-E at interviewunderfire.com.